The book of Jeremiah, starting in chapter 10. The Lord gives a word. Do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the peoples are delusion, because it is wood cut from the forest, the work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers so that it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field are they, and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. So obviously he's he's talking about idols made with hands that like a Buddha you might see in somebody's house. But um, But this is the way of man in everything. Man creates all kinds of vain philosophies that they've created and then they put you know it can be I can give some examples but I don't really want to put examples but turn on the TV see see the things people are raging about and I'm not just talking about this year but over the many years people are constantly terrified that this is going to end the world or that's going to end the world and it's stuff that they've made up um, this is exactly what God is saying um, don't go the way that they go they will constantly because they do not worship the Lord they are finding the, the Satan will give basically they're worshiping Satan but they don't know they're worshiping Satan. So Satan will give them other things to worship and it will consume them and terrify them. Don't go that, that way. Instead, verse 6, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great and great is your name and might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. So praise the Lord. Put your fear in him and him alone. If for no other reason than because uh, he is the living God and the everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, the gods did not make the heavens and the earth. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens because they are no gods at all. That's my, <laughs> my part at the end there. It is he, the Lord God Almighty, who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. So the Lord God is available to us. Focus on him. Let all other cares, concerns, worries, fears fall away. And he will bring you out of that, that, that kind of life, that reality where you're worried about things going on around you. When all of that is an illusion and the Lord almighty who made everything is at work and he wants to bring you higher he wants to set you above these things he speaks of those who go their own way and says they are worthless a word of mockery in the time of their punishment they will perish the portion of jacob is not like these for the maker of all is he and israel is the tribe of his inheritance the lord of hosts is his name 
So he says, there is a people that I call my own. Pick up your bundle from the ground, you who dwell under siege. For thus says the Lord, behold, I am slinging out the inhabitants of the land at this time and will cause them distress that they may be found. I will cause them distress. Uh, Woe is me because of my injury. The wound is incurable. But I said, truly, this is a sickness and I must bear it. My tent is destroyed, and all my ropes are broken. My sons have gone from me and are no more. There is no one to stretch out my tent again. For the shepherds have become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they have not prospered, and all their flock is scattered. The sound of a report, behold, it comes, a great commotion out of the land of the north to make the cities of Judah a desolation, a haunt of jackals. He's saying, I, I, I will have a people within my people, who come my way, but I will bring judgment against the the most of those people because they're stupid. They do not come after my ways. Even the shepherds who are above them, you know, who are leading them, lead them wrongly. So what do we do in this type of situation? 24, correct me, O Lord, but with justice, not with your anger, or you will bring me to nothing. Pour out your wrath on the nation's that do not know you, and on the families that do not call your name. For they have devoured Jacob. They have devoured him and consumed him and have laid waste his nation. So here, verse 24 is basically saying, Correct me, O Lord. Turn back to the Lord. Correct me with justice. Bring me, show me which way to go. This is the correct heart in times like these. And then we're on to chapter 11. And God says to Jeremiah, for the people, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not heed the words of this covenant, which I commanded your forefathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Listen to my voice, and do according to all which I command you. So you shall be my people, and I will be your God." in order to confirm the oath which I swore to your forefathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. And Jeremiah says, Amen, O Lord. God is saying, I have a purpose for my people. You are my people, and yet you're not going according to my way. I've told you from the beginning that if you walk in my way, you will be blessed. If you go against my way, if you don't walk in my way, you will be cursed. Well, you're not walking in my way, and the curse is coming. You know, the implication, turn around and walk my way, so that you will enter this land flowing with milk and honey. We like to think that these things don't apply to us. That's the religious spirit at work in us when we think, well, these things don't apply to us in modern day. This applied to the ancient people. Well, God is actually speaking to these people through Jeremiah because they were thinking the exact same thing. They were thinking these words don't apply to us. We're blessed. We have God. He gave us this promised land. Um, And he says, hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your fathers in the day that I brought them up from the land of Egypt, even to this day, warning persistently, saying, listen to my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked each one in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, I brought on them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. So he's saying, look, I, I, uh, I made a covenant with them. They came out of slavery in Egypt, but then they wouldn't trust me. They wouldn't look to my ways. And therefore, that, that generation of people never got to enter the promised land. They walked around in the wilderness. And 
he's and so these people now a, a later generation did come further into me they did come into the promised land but now you've turned away from me you've broken the covenant and so i will bring judgment upon you in the same way this is how god works he wants he what he wants for you and i is far more incredible than anything we can imagine he wants to bring us into the fullness of being his family of taking on his full likeness his wisdom his love so that we can administer his grace in all creation but we can't do that when we go after the ways of the world so we have to be willing to come out of the ways of the world and into his life and he says anything less than that i cannot let stand because it's not my purpose you can't be mixed with me and the world you have to be fully mine 10 and 11 um, they have broken my covenant which i made with their fathers behold i am bringing disaster on them which they will not be able to escape though they will cry to me yet i will not listen to them then the cities of judah and the inhabitants of jerusalem will go and cry to the gods to whom they burn incense but they surely will not save them in the time of their disaster i really see this a lot of people think politicians or philosophies uh, made up by man can are the solutions to the world in this hour and uh as 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 this judgment increases they're just those things are going to have no answer those people those philosophies are going to have no answers for for people and they're going to realize they've they've put their whole lives their whole trust their whole faith in in things that have zero power they surely will not save them in the time of their disaster for your gods are as many as your cities, O Judah, and as many as the streets of, or, of Jerusalem are the altars that you have set up to the shameful thing, altars to burn, incense to Baal. Again, the, this is, people do this all day, every day, in, in all over the world. It doesn't have to be a, a little wooden, you know, a little wooden thing. Uh, we do this in our hearts and in our minds. And to make it so, uh, even um, most probably most of the listeners here might not fall into the big obvious traps, but, but we create idols out of everyday things in our lives, and we give all our focus and attention to those things. And so it's up to each one individually to decide, well, is this just a time that I'm enjoying doing something and and this is uh completely harmless because i am giving my life to the lord or is this something that's consuming me and i'm giving far more time and i'm I'm truly not giving my life to the lord that's that's something only each person can know there's a, a cool picture starting in 15 what right has my beloved in my house when she has done many vile deeds can the sacrificial flesh take away from you your disaster so that you can rejoice? So if, if uh, a man has a, a wife who has done evil things, is she, is she his wife anymore? Does she have any rights in the household anymore? We are that woman. God is this owner of the house. And he says, you, you know, you... The things that you're doing are bringing disaster upon yourself. So you think you can just sort of say some nice words to me and all of a sudden it makes it all better? And then uh, Jeremiah says, um, Moreover, the Lord made it known to me and I knew it. Then you showed me their deeds. 
they were, uh, but I was like a gentle lamb led to slaughter. So uh, the people were getting tired of Jeremiah speaking judgment against them. So they were making plans and plots to kill him. And, uh, but the Lord was with him. And I love that imagery. I was like a gentle lamb led to slaughter. So this is clearly a picture of Christ who was our Passover lamb. Um, and the Lord did not let anybody touch Christ until it was the time for him to be that sacrificial lamb. And in the same way, um, well, Jeremiah lives a rough life, but, uh, but he goes on living. The Lord did not let him be extinguished, even though most of the people around them did end up getting extinguished. And Jeremiah says, For to you, God, I have committed my cause. And so the Lord answers and says about these people, these people are telling them, don't prophesy in the name of the Lord or, or we will kill you. And therefore the Lord of hosts says, behold, I'm about to punish them. The young men will die by the sword. Their sons and daughters will die by famine and a remnant will not be left of them. For I will bring disaster on the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. So these are the people that are, are really coming against him. He says, I, won't, I will not leave a remnant of them. He's going to bring judgment upon the whole people of God, but he will leave a remnant so that he can you know, make good his promise to David and others um, and, and bring up a, a people after his own way, after his, you know, bring, coming closer to, to the life and culture of God on earth, um, which is always his plan. Um, but of these people who specifically came against the Lord's anointed, there will be no remnant. And then we're on to chapter 12. And Jeremiah starts uh, pleading with God, praying to God. He asks, why the wicked have prospered? These people who are near to their lips, but far from their mind. You know, they say they follow the Lord, but are they? They're not really. They're not in their heart. But you know me, O Lord. You see me and you examine my heart's attitude toward you. Jeremiah says, my heart is for you, but these people are against you. So bring them down, judge them, drag them off. And then God gives his answer, starting in 7. I have forsaken my house. I have abandoned my inheritance. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She has roared against me. Therefore, I have come to hate her. So he goes on to say, you know, he's going to make a desolation. He says, many shepherds have ruined my vineyard. They have trampled down my field. They have made my pleasant field a desolate wilderness. And then starting in 14, thus says the Lord concerning all my wicked neighbors who strike at the inheritance with which I have endowed my people Israel. Behold, I'm about to uproot them from their land and will uproot the house of Judah from among them. And it will come about that after I've uprooted them, I will have again have compassion on them and I will bring them back each one to his inheritance and each one to his land. Then, if they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, they will be built up in the midst of my people. But if they will not listen, then I will uproot that nation, uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. So he's saying, look, I'm bringing all this about so that I can finally bring my people into my purpose. And so I will, I will judge them. So that they will realize that their ways are folly and they will turn back to me and then I will bless them. And if they turn away from me again, I will destroy them again and then I will bring out a remnant and I will bless them. You see this, this cycle over and over. 
because the Lord has not forgot his purpose and he will bring about the fullness of his plan. And uh, we'll see even in Jeremiah, it speaks to this mighty plan, this kingdom without end is spoken of uh, a lot throughout the scriptures and even in Jeremiah, but we're, we're several, quite a few days away from that still, at least the chapter 31, which is what comes to mind. But uh, on to chapter 13. The Lord often speaks to us through our surroundings, and um, he, he did some interesting things. Uh, he did this a lot with Jeremiah. He did this a lot with other prophets as well. But he, in the beginning of this chapter, he has him buy a linen waistband, and don't put it in water, and then go and... Well, he, this comes in stages. So at first he's saying, just just buy the waistband. So he gets the waistband, and then some time passes. And then he comes back to him and says, I don't know how many days or weeks or months, who knows. So take the waistband that you have bought, which is around your waist, arise, go to the Euphrates, hide it there in a crevice of the rock. So he does it. And then after many, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. He's just obeying the Lord, which is a really important thing. We want to hear from the Lord, obey the Lord, and then wait upon him. Uh, he does not work. He's not a genie that answers our request when we request them. Even even in those cartoons, they, <laughs> that never ends well. But, uh, but a lot of people want to treat God like that, as if he's there to, to grant our wishes. When the reality is, he is God. He is there to raise us up, to teach us, to discipline us. And so... Um, you know, here we see Jeremiah, he does the thing God says, and then he waits. He has no idea why he did that thing, but he did it, and then he waits on him, and then he tells him something else, and he does it, and he waits on him, and then he tells him something else, go, arise, go to the Euphrates, take there from there the waistband, which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug, I took the waistband from it, it was hidden, lo, the waistband was ruined, it was totally worthless. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord, Just so will I destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. So, again, what I want to pull out of that picture is, he's because he goes on, well, let me figure out the parts to read. This wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who walk in the stubbornness of their hearts and have gone after other gods to serve them and to bow down to them, let them be just like this waistband, which is totally worthless. For as the waistband clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole household of Israel and the whole household of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people for renown, for praise and for glory, but they did not listen. He says, my purpose for you is so far above anything you can imagine. But your part of the deal is that you walk with me, that you give your life to me so that I can know you, have this intimate relationship with you as a father that has with a son, so that I can teach you my ways, grow you up in my ways, so that you represent me to the world. That is my plan for you. It's a mighty thing. But when you go after your own ways and you refuse to walk in this way, you're totally worthless for me, like this waistband in the Euphrates. And so, anyways, the, 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 both these messages are kind of coming together, but they're both really important. For one, that, that we walk with the Lord so that his purposes can be fulfilled in us. That's, that's his heart's desire. And that is our heart's desire when we do this. We realize there's no better way for us. 
But then also when we're seeking the Lord to wait on him and continue to wait on him and seek on him and he will draw these things out. And the for Jeremiah, the waiting was every bit as important as the word. The, the Lord is using Jeremiah to teach the people, but the Lord is teaching Jeremiah. He cares about Jeremiah, not just the people, right? I mean, he cares about both. And so he's drawing this out over time for Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is learning and growing through this process. So then God tells Jeremiah to go to them and tell them, every jug is to be filled with wine. And when they say, of course we know every jug is to be filled with wine. Then you say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am about to fill all the inhabitants of this land, the kings that sit for David on his throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. I will dash them against each other, both the fathers and the sons together. I will not show pity, nor be sorry, nor have compassion, so as not to destroy them. So again, he's giving him a picture in order to... uh, I don't know. Again, give a picture to the word that he's giving them, and then he get. And then he continues in fifteen. Listen and give heed. Do not be haughty, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before He brings darkness. So Jeremiah is saying, "Hey, turn back to the Lord now. It's not too late." Seventeen. But if you will not listen to it, my soul will sob in secret for such pride, because the flock of the Lord has been taken captive. And he gives a a word of judgment again to the king and queen and everyone else. And the first picture that I want to bring, because it's it's a picture for this day. Again, we've talked about this multiple times, Revelation 12. Will not pangs take hold of you like a woman in childbirth? So that this, when we see these things, we can see this is a, a word, a picture, a clue to tell us that these things are not all just old ancient things. This is the word of the Lord and how he works. When Jesus, we just did, we just did Matthew before this book, and we, Jesus said probably Matthew 24, uh, talked about kind of similar things. Uh, you know, woe to you if you're pregnant. The, um, the difficulties of these times. The picture of pregnancy uh, recurs over and over because it's it's a great picture for this sort of thing. Um, when you're pregnant, you know, assuming you have a good, healthy pregnancy, you know that, um, you, you know, you can tell by, the, there's certain signs, right, that either you know the amount of time it should take or you can feel yourself getting more and more pregnant. You can You can tell that the time is at hand for this. But you don't know the day or hour. You have no idea, like when when you're actually pregnant. Um, there's a there's a solid month that's considered on time normal pregnancy. A month. So it's it's just a really weird experience if you haven't gone through this. You you know you're going through life and you're okay. Yes, yeah, so we got a baby coming. We got a baby coming. And then you get to this time when like, wow, like it could be today, or it could be a month from now. And so you live in this weird reality where any minute we could be having a baby. We could have a baby. Or we could have a couple more weeks of life as we've always known it. <laughs> and, and so you know from, from what's going on that the times are here. Like this time is imminent. But you don't know exactly what the timing of the Lord is. And such as it's, it is the same with... Uh, uh, you know, any any great movement of the Lord. 
he often gives you a sense for, okay, I can see like the fig tree, it's in fruit, this, you know, the season is kind of at hand, but I don't know exactly which day these figs are going to be ready, um, or budding, <laughs> the, the parable, how does he do it, maybe the fig, figs are budding, or, anyways, you, you can, you can tell by looking around, okay, the Lord is on the move, massive things are changing, but you don't know exactly what day things are going to happen, or exactly how they're going to happen, and so seek the Lord so that he can bring you through these things and you will grow through it and you will become more his through the process. He continues on in the chapter giving words of judgment and, and encouragement to turn around. And he says, uh, I have seen your abominations. Woe to you, O Jerusalem. How long will you remain unclean? And we will end there for now. Uh, God bless you.